I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you want to try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Robert. And I'm Daniel. We're back again. Hi. <laughs> how are you? I'm well. How are you? Um, I'm okay. Um, I had a, a trying commute home today. Mm-hmm. Reminded you why we don't want children. Um, yes. Mm. It reminded me why we don't want children. And it also reminded me of uh, the uh, piss poor state that um, this country is in, in terms of like uh, mental health, like in terms mm. of taking care of people mm-hmm. who are who need, you know, services for their mental health. Um yeah, I mean, whatever. I was thinking about because I, as soon as I got home, I opened Facebook and one of my Facebook friends had posted that they were having a conversation about someone's C-section. Um, you know what? I'll just say their name. It was Tony. Tony's gonna listen to this and he's gonna appreciate Tony that. I had a C-section? Tony Soto. Tony Soto had a C-section. Mm. Um, I mean, bearing the lead, you know. I mean, um, but uh, no, he was having. He posted on Facebook <laughs> that someone in his lift was making him have a conversation about their c-section and i'm like see that is why i don't like taking cabs because if like especially if it's a shared environment you then have to talk to the other person or sometimes the driver feels chatty and that's not what i'm about oh i never do i want to live in my own world if i can be in uh like in a in an echo chamber a holosphere if you would yes a holosphere what is that what is that a reference to Jurassic Park, which we're going to talk about later. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, yes, I would love to be in a holosphere. A geosphere. A geosphere. Thank yes. You. Um, without uh, what's his name on the screen. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I want to be in like I want to be in in an, in an enclosed space that is completely soundproof on my way home. Like that would be lovely. Like, um, what do they call that? Um, sensory deprivation. Mm-hmm. I would love to be in a like a sensory deprivation chamber with like my Duolingo. Because I, so I'm learning how to speak French using Duolingo. Let's share it with the listeners. Mm. Um, if um, if anyone uh, if anyone parlays Francais, um, please um, you know slide up slide into our DMs. <laughs> um, and.
and uh, and help me learn. Help me learn how to speak French because I'm pretty sure. And this is the this is the part about it. And I don't know if this is like uh, like a big warning sign that I'm becoming too much of a cynic. Um, I am disappointed at the fact that because I'm learning French at such a late part of my life, I will never sound like someone who grew up in France when I speak it. Like it just it, it won't that won't happen. I mean, you never for me. would. Um, if I had learned as a child, I'm convinced that I would have had a better grasp on the, Maybe. on the accents I mean, and stuff. I also think it depends on, cause like I studied French for a number of years and I'm sure if I picked it up again, I'd be fluent again, uh-huh. but it's kind of, you know, like gone into the ether mm. of my mind. Um, and I could speak it pretty fluently and you, I don't know. I feel like you, you'd never speak like somebody who learned it in France unless you like ended up living in France for like 10 years because there's you know there's textbook French textbook Spanish so on and so forth and Mm -hmm. it's like um like when you when you learn English like you go to school and and they'll like teach you the parts of speech and all of that it's like you wouldn't use that in your daily life and so did you learn that I learned like specifically for English. I'm talking very about. briefly. Okay, because I don't. I actually don't know. I, I don't know the parts of speech all the time or tenses. Right. Like whereas, like with French, when I was studying French, I had a very a very good grasp on pluperfect, superperfect, like all of these different mm. you know parts of speech and ways to use adjectives and nouns and things. And that's what helped me construct sentences because I would basically be doing all of the work in my head. It wouldn't just coming out um, instinctively. Mm-hmm. Um, so it always did sound learned, almost um, like that scene in... in um, Oh God, uh, My Fair Lady, where okay. Professor Higgins' former... Um, a student has decided to do what he does now. Yes. And, you know, says that she said she must be Turkish because she sounds like, you know, she was taught uh, English by an Englishman. You know, mm. like it's not her native language. And he thinks she's Turkish because he's Turkish. Oh. Not, you know, Eliza. So that's how I always look at it is that you're always going to sound relative. to a native speaker like somebody who learned to speak the language. Ah, I see. That's at least how I... I guess at the end of the day, I have to give up the idea that I'm going to speak like the French do. Um, because I don't like, I don't see myself going to France anytime soon. Um, so I don't know why that, that would be relevant speaking Canada's like the French close. do. Yes. Montreal is mm-hmm. beautiful and only a short car ride away. Montreal. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I don't know. I just like, I don't know. It's something that's been weighing heavy on me and I need to let go of it. That being said, I have been using the Duolingo app for uh, every day since I downloaded it, mm-hmm. which has only been about a week at this point. But anyway, um, I would love but I would love to practice with someone. Um, and I thought that that was a function through the app. I actually I bothered Tony Soto about it and then realized that it's not something that the app lets you do. Like they don't just let you talk because I think Tony was learning Spanish. And and I was like, oh, you want to speak Spanish? Girl, let's do it. Like I, I can do that in my sleep. But, um, you know, anyway. Um, but yeah, French. I'm learning French. And I don't know why. I, I don't know if I'm crazy for feeling that way because I feel like it's tied to the language, the specific language of French. Mm. So I don't well, know. Well, French has a like a cachet, you know, like it's, does it really? Yeah, like it's fancy. Oh. It's I mean, honestly, I think like if you learn Spanish, it's like big whoop. I want to learn a hipster like, language. I, I think that a hipster language. Yeah, like what would be a hipster language? Like Korean or <laughs> Aramaic. Polish. 
<laughs> Aramaic, a no. dead language. Latin. You know, they have Klingon in Duolingo. It's an option. Yeah, stop using that app. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't. When I saw it, I was like, mm, okay. People actually speak You've gone that too far. fucking language. Um, where? Like fluently, but where? People who I want to ride through a neighborhood where all the signs are. In I bet on. you one of one of those one of those douchey men on that show we're watching on Netflix with their like basement museums. One of them speaks Klingon. What's the show I called? Bet you, Amazing I, Savings. I don't know. Amazing. Amazing interiors. interiors. There you go. Sorry. Which is more like. Look at all these douchey, crazy white men yes. and what they're doing because they're bored. Mm-hmm. The one I couldn't handle was the like the, the guy with the cats like that. Oh, that was fucking creepy. You, they're going to eat him alive. I was I was falling asleep when that guy appeared on the screen and you were like, oh, my God. And I was like, whatever it is, it's not important enough to interrupt oh, the sleep. It, it's important. That was bonkers. I don't. I'm glad that I missed it. I'm glad that I missed it. Um, the one thing that I don't know why this I don't know why this happened, but um, I kept imagining Miss Cracker in French because there was so much talk about like um, there there was a lot of repetition of like she is a woman, she is a woman, she is a woman, she is a woman, and um, and I was like, oh, Miss Cracker, I could t- I could very easily translate her to French, and it, everything would just be like, um, elle elle est une femme, elle est une femme. She's a woman. Like, you imagine just over and over again. Head, and you just press that button. It's like, elle est une femme. Elle est une femme. Elle est une femme. <laughs> She's a farm. We need. We deserve Miss Cracker in French, I think. Just a little bit. I don't think people are ready. Just a little bit. I, I think it'd be great. Madame Cracker. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. La señora Galleta. Oh, my God. No, in Spanish, it's not a Señora fun, Cracker. Señora Cracker. That's probably what they call her in Spain. Ella es una mujer. Or they just call it Miss Cracker. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, we watched a lot of movies recently. I know. I really can't believe that we watched as many movies as we did, like, consecutive. Yes, but, well, okay, we'll get there, because it's not about this first movie that we watched. So I oh. watched um, I watched this documentary just, like, on a whim when I was working from home on Friday, and then I was like, oh, we need to watch this again. Uh, the documentary is called Between a Frock and a Hard Place, <laughs> um, and... Um, I watched it, or rather we watched it, on the Tribeca channel, um, which I don't know if that's a regular channel, but it's one of the channels we get with our cute little um, streaming. Sling. With Sling TV. Um, And um, Between a Frock and a Hard Place is basically a documentary about the making of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which, um, or wait. Adventure, the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I didn't realize that I had been saying the title of that movie wrong this Wait, whole time. You've just been calling it Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Well, I just, I've just been calling it Priscilla. Well, it's like people just call it Tu Wong Fu. I mean, not to yes. draw a parallel, but like. But that is the beginning of the mm-hmm. title of that movie. I was just saying, like, one of the mm-hmm. names in the middle. I mean, we used to say, let's watch Priscilla. So, right. I mean, it's, you know. And then when it came to Broadway, it was called Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. It wasn't called The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the oh my Desert. God, you're totally yeah. right. Oh, what a disservice. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that until I tried to look it up in the Wikipedia app. And I was like, why is the movie not coming up? Why am I only getting the musical? And it was because I wasn't using the Before proper we went to this, how many people do you think watch the movie and don't understand that Priscilla is the bus? Even with the whole like christening of the bus scene. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people miss that because I've had people ask me, well, who's Priscilla? And I'm like, it's the bus. I've asked you that question, even after seeing the movie several yeah, but, times. <laughs> but when you asked me, I'm like, babe, it's the bus. And I'm like, you know, a lot. Of, I've heard that from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, 
who's Priscilla? And I'm like, well, it's the bus. It's the bus, right. And that's right. not even being shady. Yeah. It is literally a bus. Yeah. Um, um, so the, the, so the the documentary is interesting. It is narrated by Terrence Stamp, who plays Bernadette in the movie. Um, and that is interesting all on its own because his story of how he was cast in the movie is very interesting. Um, and it's clear from his telling of it that he did not want to do this movie. Um, and in fact, if I remember correctly, he was like at the point of... Um, of retiring from acting altogether because he was just unhappy with the roles he was getting. So, um, but I don't want to, I don't want to say anything else. It's just, it's so interesting, not just because it's about Priscilla, but specifically because I knew nothing about the history of, uh, like the gay rights movement in Australia. And it's Mm -hmm. a completely different, it's like completely different from the, the one that, you know, we know here in the States. It's also interesting because it's, it's almost like, because Priscilla Queen of the Desert, um, the adventures of Priscilla Queen of the Desert came out at kind of the height of the, the gay rights movement mm-hmm. in Australia. It's almost like they were like forging ahead, um, like in a, in a, oh, I'm even saying this right. Like the development of Priscilla mm-hmm. and the, um, the gay rights movement were moving ahead step in step with one another in a, in a way it's, it seemed like, I mean, it seemed like this is what they were trying to do with this was show how Priscilla queen of the desert was very much in step with what was going on culturally in Australia at the time. Like it just, it kind of all, it was like this perfect instant, you know? Um, Well, right. I I think a lot of the, what they explore in the mm -hmm. documentary is how the two obstacles they had were money Mm -hmm. and acceptance. They were drawing parallels. Yes, absolutely. That's the word I was looking for. And and the closer they got to acceptance of homosexuality in Australia, the closer Mm -hmm. they got to actually being able to produce the movie. It also, like, I never thought that Australia had had such a... um, uh contentious like past with the gay rights movement like yeah. and it's it's just as bad and violent and ugly as our movement has been here mm-hmm. because i've just always seen australia and, and basically anywhere outside of the u.s that is you know known to be liberal or whatever that it's um a little easier you know or people have taken to gay rights in a in a more um, positive manner than here. Right. And it's just, I don't know why I, I convinced myself of that stupidly, but it was very interesting to see like how, you know, it's pretty much bad everywhere. Yeah. You know, when, when you're fighting for these rights, I forget who said it, but the, there was some, someone who said um, someone during the civil rights movement in this country um, said that uh, just because laws change doesn't mean that minds do. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd never heard someone say that before, even though it was it was a thought that I had specifically when marriage equality passed mm-hmm. uh, federally. Um, I was just like, there's going to be backlash from this for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting how everyone has their own. Um, they like every country needs its own. um it needs its own adjustment period. Oh yeah, for different issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also it's interesting to see which ones are like contentious in different places. Yeah. Um, but what what I what I found very interesting um, in relation to like drawing the parallels is that the scene in the movie where they stop at that bar and they're trying to get a drink and the woman is like, "We we don't have anything here for you, your kind or whatever." Um, that was based on something that happened to the director of the film and his then boyfriend as they were traveling uh, through the Australian outback. And it's just like, 
I don't know. It just it seemed like a, a situation that would have been very difficult to relive on film, especially mm-hmm. like directing the scene. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was that was a very interesting point, and um, yeah, it was just it was such an interesting documentary. I'm I'm sort of surprised that I didn't hear about it at all. It was it totally like. It came out in 2015. Yeah. And so, it was, you know, some time ago now. Yes. Um, but I tried to Google it to see if, like, if it was available to watch anywhere else, because I assume a lot of people don't have this channel. Um, and um, and I don't think anything really came up. I think they have it on YouTube, actually. I oh. think they do have the whole thing available on YouTube. And I don't think you have to pay for it, but I'm not sure. Um, so look for it on YouTube. Again, it is called Between a Frock and a Hard Place. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just like very interesting. The just the stories of like, like the, the, the different elements of the, the gay rights movement in Australia and these actors coming around to not coming around. I mean, the only one who needed to come around was Terrence Stamp mm-hmm. um, to yeah, being in the movie. Hugo Weaving, like, yes, sign me up. Hugo Weaving had worked with the director in, on his previous film and trusted him. And mm-hmm. the, the minute he opened his mouth and said, I have another movie that I'm working on and I would like you to be in it. He was like, absolutely. Yeah. I will do whatever you want. I can't remember which one of them, though, said drag queens, a desert a bus yes it was like um guy pierce yeah Yeah. oh he was the one yeah i just i loved it guy pierce was like uh duh i'm Mm -hmm. there like yeah and that Uh. was that was the other thing is that i guess you sort of assume that there's a little bit of soul searching that goes on when you're a straight man who is playing gay in a movie and then even further when you're a straight man who has to be a, a gay person who is also a drag queen in a film mm-hmm. like that there is going to be this long period of soul searching mm-hmm. you don't really expect someone like guy pierce yeah. for example to just be like uh-huh i'm here yeah. let's do this i would i would honestly love a similar documentary for um to wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar not mm-hmm. just because there are so many parallels between the films and it's it's not really clear you know like uh well this documentary this documentary clears it up because the um the director of the film had been working on priscilla in like the late 70s mm. like that's when he started so basically there been like, this movie like uh people have been you know people knew about the efforts to make this movie for some time right and the rumor is yeah. that they were just secretly happening mm-hmm. independent of one another which yeah. i don't believe for it's a second too similar yeah it's, it's too, far similar. too similar i mean you know it's th- far like, too similar and to wong fu it just while it's a, f- a perfectly fun movie and it's great and i love it it feels like a watered down uh version of priscilla well i mean it's also pro- i mean we, we talked about this on our you know like um gateway drag with tina burner yes. way back when but yes. it always shocks me as as how like how really problematic is even the right word but how bizarre to wong fu is when you really start to look at it and like three drag queens would not drive cross country in full geesh the yes. whole time like they would not like be you know scared of overhead lighting because they wouldn't show up dressed in drag of course like so are you making a movie about trans women or drag queens right but you're telling us it's drag queens but i but it really wasn't 
like in in my mind, like if you look at that today, like you're telling the story of three trans women going cross country, right? But you're calling them drag queens. It, it's a very strange thing. Yeah, I would really like to know how they got Wesley Snipes to do that movie because like John Leguizamo and Patrick Swayze, I I can understand. You know them. You know John Leguizamo had done drag in his really? shows, and Patrick Swayze was a dancer, and you know like was a little more tapped into. I think stretching, you know, his like or or uh, like being a little more diverse with how people pictured him. Okay, you know, whereas Leslie Snipes had not done anything like this before, and right. I'm the best one of all three. Like <sighs> Noxima. I mean, yes, Vita and Chi Chi are incredible characters, and but I think it's because it was such a gag that this is Wesley motherfucking Snipes dressed as Noxima Jackson, like. It was, I loved his character so much, or love his character. I mean, so if much, we're going to talk about realness, like category is realness, John Leguizamo wins the trophy. But I'm not talking about realness. I'm talking about like the, like what you learn. Like there's just something so impactful about Nogs. Okay. In a, in a different way than Vita and Chi Chi, even though, you know, they all represented three very important types of people. Mm. You know, I, I think Nagzima was so impactful because of the fact that of the three of them, she was the most, um, she wasn't afraid to take up the space that she wanted and needed. But she also didn't have, like, whereas they developed a little bit of uh, Vita's backstory mm. by us uh getting like a vague sense of her relationship with her family mm-hmm. and then um with um with Chi Chi we have this whole love story with uh Bobby Lee Bobby Ray Bobby Ray um there was Bobby never a girl. <laughs> and there was never any development of Noxima's backstory mm, very true and I, I would her. like to know more about Noxima in that respect like I would love a sort of sequel of some kind come on Wesley do it just let's get a documentary let's do a documentary um yeah I I don't know I like I said I I, I feel like someone caught wind and they were like oh we need to mm-hmm. because to Wong Fu I don't know if it necessarily ushered in this whole moment where American uh, American cinema was taking foreign concepts or foreign films altogether, watering them down, and then bringing them to American audiences. And you saw it all throughout the 90s. Mm-hmm. There was that movie Shall We Dance with Jennifer Lopez. That oh, was, no, and it can't hold I think those. it was a Spanish film before no, that. No, it's uh, Japanese. Oh, a Japanese film. There's um, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, which became Tortilla Soup, which I think eventually really? became... Um, and not became, but like they were adapted into different, like in different ways. That's a little bit, that's, that was like a better thing because culturally they basically just like took the, um, it was a, it was a Japanese film, right? What? Am I eat, drink, man, woman? I think it was a Japanese film. And so what they did was they took the, um, the cultural, um, the cultural things that they explored there and found similarities within Mexican culture Mm -hmm. and basically just created a film. That was like a parallel. Hmm. Um, But there were other, I can't think of any right now. Shall We Dance is the first one that comes to mind because I remember it being a piece of garbage. And Dance With Me was another one. I don't remember what it was based on. With Vanessa Williams. With Vanessa Williams and Cheyenne. And oh my God, Dance With Me is based on, isn't it based on, no, Strictly Come Dancing is the competition. Yes. You're thinking of Strictly Ballroom, which was one of Baz Luhrmann's. Um, early films before he did Moulin Rouge or what was I, the one he did before that? 
This is totally turned into a um, Romeo and Juliet free association moment. Did he do Romeo and Juliet? Yes, he did do Romeo and Juliet. No, but right. I I think I think uh, Dance with Me is either based on Strictly Ballroom. It's something like that. But my my point is, they would take American cinema was taking ideas from foreign cinema, watering it down, and pro- like producing it mm-hmm. so that the American audience would accept it. And acceptance of homosexuality, especially homosexuality in a dress, was not where it needed to be. So they needed to make sure that these characters were women for the majority of the film. And if you think about it, the only times we see them out of drag are during the credits in the beginning. So, you know, they, they were, they were trying really, 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 really hard to make sure that Joe and Betty beer can were like, we're in, Mm -hmm. let's buy those tickets. It's just strange. So yes. Um, that being said, uh, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Jurassic Park because we watched all five of them. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I have to talk about it. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the key key going. We're back. And it's time to talk about Jurassic Park. <laughs> I'm so excited. So Jurassic Park is one of those movies that I never, I did not see it when it came out. I saw The Lost World, which is the second Jurassic Park movie. Um, and the only reason I saw it is because there was a giant group of my friends from school who were all going to the movies to see it. We took up two entire rows in the movie theater and we basically had a food fight during the movie. I remember none of the movie. I remember there were, there were dinosaurs and it rained. Which is just about every one of the Jurassic Park movies. Well, I mean, they're in a rainforest half the time. I so remember like... it, there were dinosaurs, it rained, and then all of a sudden I looked into my thing of popcorn and there was a Starburst. And I was like, where the fuck did this Starburst come from? And that's when the food fight began. And it was the closest, like, it was my closest moment to um, these, like, like, romantic ideas of what it's like to be a teenager in America. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how they... The Disney Channel movie version the of your Disney life? The Disney Channel movie version of my life. Exactly that. Um, so I never... You could have gone to high school with Selena Gomez. I could have gone to high school with her um, if I wasn't busy going to high school with... Um, I mean, he's not famous anymore, but that guy, Mario, who did the... Um, I call him Mario. It's probably Mario. Um, but he did the remake of um, Just a Friend in like 2002. Um, he was also in the first Step Up movie. Um, he plays the guy who does all the beats. So anyway, um, so I had famous people in my school. Anyway. Um, oh my God. <laughs> not that I was spending any time with them, but um, so Jurassic Park was one of those movies that I am, I'm a really difficult, I'm a, I'm a picky customer when it comes to an action film. I usually don't like them because I want to laugh. Like I just want to watch a movie. I want to be entertained. And I it took me six months to get you to watch Atomic Blonde and then you loved it after we watched it. Did I love it? Yes, you were like, oh my God, this is great. And I'm like, uh-huh. I think I enjoyed it. I don't know that I would want to watch it again. I mean, there, I, I never want to been... watch a movie again, so. Oh, well, that, see, that's a problem I'm not right a there. repeat customer all the time. Oh, I love to be a repeat customer. It's like my, mm. my favorite thing. No. There's something warm and comforting about watching a movie you've already seen and knowing that like the big laugh is coming. 
And it's like, I get to discover it all over again. See, I, love I never that. laugh all over again. I'm like, oh, and I remember how funny it was the first time. Mm. Or the worst thing is after I've seen a movie that has just made me like practically, you know, Pirates of Pirates of Penzance myself. Mm-hmm. Although that movie I will watch again and again. I will Pretty watch Woman. Pretty Woman again and again. Yeah. It, you know, there are a few like that. Uh, Beauty Shop, Chu Wang Fu, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But not a, not not many. Um, See, Chu Wang Fu is not on the same level as Pretty Woman for me. I don't it's know why. not. Like Rocky Horror. I would watch eh. Rocky Horror again and again. No? I would I would watch the first half hour of Rocky Horror again and again. Mm, up to the dancing. It starts, it starts to lose steam at a certain point well, for me. Um, also, I've seen it a million times. Oh, yeah. You know. But um, so don't send me any letters. The worst thing is when I've seen a movie that I've had so much fun watching. And I think it's really funny. I just remember it being like, you know, like I, I was peeing my pants. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I go to watch it again. And it's not fun. Right. That has happened so many times that it just turns me off. And I just don't, I don't want to do that to myself. It's happened a lot to me recently because there's a lot of movies that I've wanted you to see that I feel like you've either, you saw it once a long time ago or you don't remember it. Or I've never seen it. Or you've never seen it. And I'll put it on and be like, wow, this did not hold up. That's unfortunate. I was just like, we're going to need you to talk into the I'm sorry. There was a movie like that recently where I was like, babe, this is hot garbage. Um, It was either... I think it was Ace Ventura, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my God. Which was also terribly transphobic. Um, But we're not here to talk about any of that. We were supposed to be talking about Jurassic Park. Sorry. So I had no intention of watching Jurassic Park. And in fact, we tried to watch it once and I got really bored 20 minutes in and we turned it off. We did? Yes. We tried to watch it once recently and I just couldn't do it. And so the other night we were trying to watch a movie and... Normally, when we look for movies, I open Netflix, I go straight to the comedy section, and I'm just like, no, 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 that movie doesn't look real. Like, we've already seen that and comedy three special. Three hours later, we don't watch anything. Three hours later, we're fucking watching an ASMR video. And so this time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to change it up. I'm going to go into the action section and see what they have. And Jurassic Park was like the third or fourth option. And I was like, you know what? Play. Let's do this. And I loved it. It was really I good. I forgot how much I liked that loved movie. It. I remember you telling me the story of... So, uh, do you remember how uh, old your brother was when you saw well, Jurassic when Park? When did Jurassic Park come out? Like, 92. 92 or 93, yeah. So, so he no. was like four so, or five. So, he couldn't... Did you like see four? it in the theaters? Yeah. You saw it in the theaters. So, your brother you know, had to though, be like four it, or when five. When did the second one come out? 97. It might have been the second one that did it. Oh. Because he would have been eight. That makes more sense. Anyway, basically, I my... um. My brother developed an extreme fear of dinosaurs. Right. Because of Jurassic Park. And we only realized this because we took him to see an exhibit on, it was either on Jurassic Park or a special exhibit on dinosaurs at the museum, in the American Museum of Natural History here in New York, um, where they had the animatronic dinosaurs from the movie. Oh, you yeah. didn't tell me that. So you had to go through the old, and this was before all the renovations. And so, like, you'd go through this hall where all of the fossils, and all of the like, you know, like um, reconstructed dinosaurs were in these beautiful glass cases with wood paneling, a whole nine yards, right? Mm-hmm. Very vintage. Yeah. And then you walk into this like uh, foyer and there is, you know, the palm fronds and the trees and like this, uh, you know, those like 4D um, rides that like you get in and it like moves and all that crap. Oh. So we we did the ride that was like an underwater dinosaur thing and 3D and all that. Then we get out to go into the entrance and the first thing you see when you come into the entrance or go into the entrance of this exhibit is the freaking T-Rex like, you know, like doing all of its things. And my brother took one look at this and 
bolted. And it was my father and I running after him, Mm -hmm. trying to like stop him from getting lost in the museum. Right. But we didn't know, not nor did he, that he was afraid of the dinosaur because he loved the movies. Mm -hmm. And... Couldn't well, stop talking about them. My my point with bringing that up, I mean, you, the, originally the version of the story that you told me was that you walked into the part where all of the um, where all of the dinosaur, like the recreated dinosaur fossils are, mm-hmm. and he freaked out and ran clear across the no, room. No, it was a special so, exhibit. Okay. Yeah. Um, but watching this movie, I'm like, no wonder your brother had a fear of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Like, fucking A. But he didn't have a fear of them. Be- like, watching the movies was fine. It was... Something about but then it, it seeing it definitely I, contributed. I guess I guess it, it like made them real when he saw these animatronic things that were like twenty feet tall. Okay, it like it it activated whatever fear he didn't have while he was watching the movies, and then we couldn't get him to sit through another Jurassic Park movie for years. Wow. Um, I wonder if he's seen the new ones because I feel he like he would has. really like the fourth one. He has because I talked about it. The oh, other day, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, shout out to your brother. It's his birthday today. Um, so. I didn't think that we were in for a scary movie and I was terrified for most of the, at least the first one, the, the lost world and Jurassic park three were not very good. Oh my God. Jurassic park. three was awful. <sighs> wow. It also says something when the first two were like two hours and change. And the second one was like maybe a little over half an hour or no, the third one was like a little over half an hour and it felt like it dragged on for an hour and a half. I don't know what you're trying. You kept saying a little over a half hour. Oh, I said a little over an hour and a half. It was so. (sighs) It was boring. It was boring. But like we were on a dinosaur kick. So we were watching all of the Jurassic Park movies come hell or high water. Um, But uh, my favorite was the first one and uh, Jurassic World, which is the first of the new trilogy with uh, Chris Pratt and uh, whatever her name is, Ron Howard's daughter. Um, So. Yeah, I just really enjoyed it and I want to tell the world. Um, So there's that. Uh, Speaking of telling the world, um, Robin has released new music. It's such a good song. I have been listening to it on repeat since it leaked last week. Um, And it made me think of... So Robin's music is something that reminds me of a particular time period in my life. And there were a lot of, you know, late night sweaty dancing happening when Body Talk came out. And like, you know, there was a lot of a lot of that going on in my life at the time. And so that's what this makes me think of. Um, and so with her releasing new music, it 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 that coupled with um, Adriana Trenta on our last episode talking about um talking about how she had like a coming out song Mm -hmm. and that that song was by Ariana Grande. It just, it made me think of how like how music can bring you back to a certain moment in your life. And I just, I wanted to explore that a little bit and how like how we all have songs that remind us of a moment. Do you have a particular song that has like a, like a, an imprint and try not to try not to go toward like, if you can try not to go toward like grief or mourning or something. Oh, I don't, I don't have, I don't, I don't listen to music when I'm grieving or more. Oh. So it doesn't, like, it's not my go-to. So what do you have? Uh, what? So what do you have? Oh, um. Because if you don't have something, I do. Oh, I guess it would just be like, like, not a particular song. Oh, but I want a particular song. You want a particular song. Yes. I mean, I would just say, like, not to be cliche, but it's like, sweet dreams are made of this. Like, mm-hmm. I just remember hearing that for the first time and... Mm-hmm 
being so um, taken by it. It was a, a VH1 pop-up video. Mm-hmm. Like, it was that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and just falling in love with Annie Lennox and, like, her orange hair. And, and remembering that I wanted to dye my hair orange and never did mm-hmm. after that. Um and I, I fell in love with that and, and just the, the imagery and her voice. And, you know, so that has always had a really important um, role in my life because it was when I started developing, I guess, my own taste in music because it was Annie Lennox, uh, Annie Lennox's album. I think it was, um, was it a oh touch? Diva was the oh. first album that I bought with my like own money, okay. you know, like my allowance money. So um, that was something that I always kind of carry with me. Uh-huh. Um, it also was really disappointing when I realized that they were no longer together when oh. I first saw that movie because I was dead set on going to a Eurythmics concert hmm. and it never happened. Um, for me, the one big standout is, so my friend decided he was going to set me up on a date when I was like 15 or 16. And it was around the time, like it was right before Christmas. And, um, and we were, there was a lot of like Christmas stuff going on. Like me and this guy would, we would sit on the phone late at night and talk. And, um, he was like, I'm going to make you a Christmas stocking. There was just like a lot of Christmas involved in the whole thing. And so we go on the date. And I was very uncomfortable because I had never been out on a date with anyone, much less a man. And I wasn't out to anybody. And so I was terrified that we were going to run into somebody that I knew. And I was then going to have to explain who this person was with me. And so I've, I seemed, I probably seemed extremely withdrawn and uncomfortable and not like I, and, and as if I was not into this guy when he was actually really sweet, I just couldn't let myself like move past it. So we went from talking every night on the phone for like two weeks straight to me calling him and being like, all right, well, I have to get off the phone. And I was like, oh, we what like what changed? And so that that made me sad. And then that sadness turned into anger. And then um, around the time that the sadness turned into anger, my mother asked me to um, to decorate the Christmas tree. And she wouldn't leave it alone. She was like, you have to decorate the Christmas tree. It's like sitting there bare. Here are all of the ornaments. You have to decorate the Christmas tree. My parents go out one night for like three hours or something. So I was like, I have a good chunk of time. So I put on my favorite song at the time, which was I Turn to You by Mel C. I turn it up all the way and literally pull each ornament out individually and throw it at the Christmas tree. And I don't know how, like, I don't know how I made it work, but I was just like scream crying and throwing ornaments at the tree. And I mean, surprisingly, none of the ornaments broke, which is crazy. Martha May who? Yes. Martha May who VA. Um, oh, yes. So, yeah, that's every time I hear that song, I think of that moment. And I also think of the um, the scene where they go to the club in Bend It Like Beckham, because I had never <laughs> seen that song used in a movie Aww, Bend it like Beckham. until that time. Um, but um yeah, do you have a song that where you you hear it and it brings you to like a moment in your life? That's what I'm looking for. Top of my head. Um you're supposed for, to think of something. Yes, I know I was supposed to think, but there are a lot of them. Um one we want. Oh my god, I'm gonna soak up the sun by Cheryl Crow. I very random. I was a very big Cheryl Crow fan for like six months. Okay. Or something. But I remember it was senior year of high school and we had just come back from our senior trip and I was in a fight. I forget what it was, but like my whole thing was when I was leaving school, I would listen to whatever album. Soaking Sun is Soak of Sun is. And um 
I would, you know, take out my home, my big CD binder that was always in my backpack, pop it in. And as soon as I left school, I would put it on. And I remember, I don't know why this memory is tied to that, but I think my friends and I were like in a fight or something. And I remember putting it on and they were across the street on one of the stoops. And I put it on and like a second in, or a few seconds into the song could hear them calling my name. Mm-hmm. I guess wanting to apologize or to talk about it. And I just turned it up and kept on walking. Mm-hmm. And I could see them in the reflection in my glasses, like walking behind me and just kind of giving up. Mm-hmm. And I'd never felt so much satisfaction before. Just like I'm tuning you out because this is like my going home. Like this is the song I listen to every time I leave school mm-hmm. at this time. So like you're not interrupting that. I felt very powerful. Mm. Like music has that power. But it was weird because then the next day it was like we reconciled. Can't remember over what. Mm-hmm. Probably something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, "You were like really angry with us." And actually, I just really wanted to like the song. Hmm. Like, you were not going to interrupt the song that I really like. I was like that with um with the locomotion in kindergarten. I remember that we had a record player with Kylie headphones. Minogue locomotion. I don't remember whose version of locomotion. I want to say it was Little Evie or whoever sings it. Um, whoever sang it originally. Um, but we had a record of the locomotion, and I would sit in the corner with my headphones plugged into the record player and listen to the locomotion and just oh like tune God. everybody else out. I love plugging. You had like the big chunky plug. Sure. Do you remember? Like I, we had this. It post- was kindergarten, so it was a while ago. I remember when, <laughs> when I was around that age, we had a you know a turntable. And like uh-huh. it had the, it had a plug for the headphones, and I mm-hmm. used to listen to my Stevie Nicks albums like that. Like wow. I would plug it in, and I think they were like big, like black, chunky, you know. But I just loved because it had such a big cord. They were hearing test uh, headphones. Yeah, mm-hmm. they look like that. Mm-hmm. They, well, these were definitely hearing tests. Oh, they were, they were at the school. Oh, they were. I'm telling when I say I was at school, and like kids were running around all around me, and I was like, Nah, I want to listen to the locomotion. Excuse me. Um, I'm just like, yeah. And I was, everybody's doing a rant. Yeah. Um, one of the, okay. So I don't know why you, oh, cause you were talking about how your friends were outside and they were calling to you from inside. So no, they were outside, whatever they were outside. They're calling to you from outside mm-hmm. and you were inside. Um, there was a, there was a guy I went on a date with, uh, want to say I was in like my early twenties and he straight up catfished me. Well, I don't know if it's considered catfishing. Is it considered catfishing if he used interesting camera angles to hide the fact that he had a lazy eye? Is it considered catfishing? No. Okay. That's just, hiding a flaw. That's called that's called well, Facetune. Well, but is it honest? But is Listen, it honest? Shut up. I was Robert. being very honest. I was honest with every single anytime I had to describe myself in a digital way, I was always very honest. Um so <clears throat> so we had been, again, similar story. We had been talking for a little bit and um, he wanted to cook me dinner, which I was like, mm, I don't know about this. Then he told me he lived in Patterson and I was like, mm, I really don't know about this. But I went anyway because I, I don't know, because I'm weird. So we, I go to his, or I drive up to his building and uh, this was around the time that the Confessions album had come out. And you could hear Sorry blasting from inside his apartment. And I knew it was him. I was like, there's no one else in this neighborhood who's going to be listening to Madonna. No, absolutely not. And one of the things he told me, he was like, I can't wait to play the vinyl version of Confessions. It sounds completely different. And um, and I was kind of like, oh, this is like trying a little too hard. Like this is sort of taking me out of it just a tiny bit. Um, so 
I remember he buzzes me into the building and then he peers out from like around a doorway to see like to like to get a look at me. And I'm just like, that's not who I've been talking to on the Internet, like not at all. Wait, so if he didn't like what he saw, is he just going to shut the door and pretend like he wasn't home? I mean, I don't even want to answer that question because he definitely liked what he saw. But I'm anyway. I'm just saying, like, that's really, <laughs> that's some weird, like, Mrs. Kravitz shit. Like. I just remember being like, mm, like, no shade to the lazy eye community. But, like, girl, yeah. like, let's be honest about it, though. Like, accept your flaws and embrace them. And been like, I can see you, too. Right. Like, that's so. I'm over here. Bring both. Um, so um, he made me dinner, which was an interesting situation. In his toaster oven, he really wanted me wanted to make me lasagna, and so he had made it in advance and then frozen it and was trying to defrost it in his toaster oven, which was a hot boo boo mess. He was defrosting it in the toaster oven. Yes. Oh, Thankfully, no. I had recently had uh, lap band surgery, so I couldn't eat that much anyway. And he was like, "We can only eat around the outer edges because the middle is frozen." And I was like, "He sir, oh my god!" I was I remember like, this "I think." Story. I was like, "I think it might be time to move on to the next part of our date," which we were supposed to go into i think we we're supposed to go into the city to see a movie and we ended up going to a theater in new jersey to watch it instead for some reason so he served you essentially stouffer's no no this was absolutely it was in a pyrex dish no, but i'm saying like that's what happens with stouffer's if you don't well heat it up stouffer's properly. goes in the microwave like let's be real oh, stouffer's goes i mean in the i've only ever had it once and we also like have you ever like... heard of defrosting like you could have well, defrosted yeah, you this can't defrost in the lovely oh, god lasagna. that's gonna leave you a soggy lasagna he wasn't trying to defrost it he was trying to reheat it but it was frozen but it was frozen that's what i'm saying you right. get soggy lasagna that way right like he hadn't thought this through you could have just mm. Um, my favorite part of the entire evening was, so I was the one driving. I drove him home and for some reason he was like, why don't you come up for a second? I mean, not for some reason. We know why he told me to come up for a second. So he went, I was, I knew, I knew when I showed up, I was like, this is now me choosing to stay on this date, even though I understand I'm no longer interested in this gentleman. Um, I stayed on the whole date. We did the whole bit. We went to the movies. I don't think we ever held hands or anything. I definitely did not give him any sort of signal that, like, you know, it was time to make a move or anything. He tried to kiss me when we got back to his apartment. And his cat, which had been watching us from on top of his refrigerator, jumped, jumped down to separate us. And I was like, Miss Cat... You're a you're a, a true um, blessing and an angel and whatever. Um, and I was like, I have to go, sir. Buenos nachos, and I left. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I will always remember the. I will always remember what it sounds like to listen to "Sorry" by Madonna on vinyl because you could hear the crackling. That was the thing. Even from the street, you could hear the crackling, which I thought oh, was really cool. That's nice. Which I was really crackling. really cool. But th- your story reminded me of that. <laughs> Not really the assignment, but anyway, it was a good story. Um, so we're going to take another break, uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about making your home a little more inviting to you. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. 
Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. We're back. And we have been casually shopping for new furniture. Would you call it casually what we're doing? I don't know what we're doing. Because, hmm. like, I just really want a new a new sofa and we'll get into that later but basically we're just like well the the um the inspiration behind buying new furniture was that i want to i want our our living room to be a sanctuary like i want it to be somewhere where we can like sit and like relax enjoy each other's company and watch a movie mm-hmm. and like truly escape mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that that's what I was after when we first went shopping for furniture because there was the day that we went to, like, we went to Macy's Mm -hmm. and we're, like, testing out every couch they had. Roxanne. Roxanne did us good. We we should consider putting on the red light. Mm. Um, We've not purchased her yet. We have not purchased anything yet. No. Um, But it just, it got me thinking that, like, you know, I I feel like the, the goal for most people who have their own apartment is to create a sanctuary and i feel like we don't really talk about what makes that a sanctuary and so i wanted to start this conversation with our listeners on social media about what makes your home a sanctuary how are you making your home inviting to you Mm -hmm. so that it can be part of like just sitting in your living room can be part of your self-care routine basically Mm -hmm. and I really, I'm really, I think I'm, I'm obsessed with it. And I didn't know that you had similar feelings. We both basically wanted to one day have a home with a media room. Oh, or like a yeah. home theater. Because like, then there's no distractions. And so right. like you're watching your movie. I mean, with me, it's not so much like the watching of movies. It's just like, I'm very anal retentive when it comes to like how I like to keep house. I mean, uh-huh. it doesn't always get fully fulfilled because... You know, we have a small apartment. We live in New York City. Mm-hmm. We craft. We do wigs. We, you know, so so like there's always some kind of thing. But yeah. my my the, the way I kind of maintain the sanctuary is by making sure like the pillows on the sofa are always fluffed and like you know everything's kind of put back where it goes before we go to bed. Because then when I wake up in the morning, it's not like chaos. Yeah. You know, or when I like, you know, turning down the bed every day, spraying it with some nice, uh, you know, homemade fabric refresher. So like Mm -hmm. you come home in the afternoon, it's like, oh, it's just like order, you know, orderly and and like um, inviting, inviting and, you know, not sterile, of course, but Mm -hmm. just if you can see more than one room of your apartment at any given time, like we can as much of that as possible should just kind of be tidy mm-hmm. as you can as tidy as you can make it because to me like 
you know, like grime and, and, and like, uh, disorganization makes me anxious. Mm -hmm. So it's not common. Yeah. You know? Um, so however we achieve that, we, you know, I try. It's one of the things that's come up since we started watching, um, Amazing Interiors Mm -hmm. is that a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people on that show that choose to live in very loud environments, specifically like their bedroom is always something extremely loud. Mm -hmm. Or that one couple who, um, who basically did like a paint splatter thing in the shower. And I was like, I can't get clean in there. That's a crime scene. That's very stressful. The thing is, all those houses to me, well, for the most part, made me quite anxious Mm -hmm. because I'm like, somebody kills you or you kill somebody, whatever. Like, you can hide the body anywhere. Right. Like, they could be dead in your bed and nobody would see them. Right. They think I mean, it's a prop. Yeah. Um, I don't mind having, like, a very, like, ornate bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, because I kind of like that, too. Mm-hmm. But just, like, to have to go into every space and have it be a new adventure. I mean, if that works for you, that's great. Yeah. But I like... As much as I like ornate things, mm-hmm. I like things to be as streamlined as possible when it comes to like furniture and bedding and, and you know, like decorate on the wall. I don't want to mm-hmm. sleep in a decoration. Yeah. You know, and I, I think also like working with art um, and, and other things throughout my life, it just like makes me want the rest of my life and, and the things I interact with at home to be much more streamlined mm. personally. Um, but yeah, I mean... I am currently, like I said, I'm currently obsessed with the idea of creating a home theater because I love going to the movies. I would also love one of those trolley cars that's a popcorn maker. Um, but we clearly don't have room for that right now. You know now. they make a popcorn maker that looks like a little trolley car. Yeah, we had it, remember? No, we never had that. You're oh. convinced we had it, but we never did. Maybe it was with my other boyfriend. Because um, I definitely had a popcorn maker no, with a trolley. Del otro. Ooh. Um, no, I definitely had <laughs> I definitely had a popcorn maker that was shaped like a trolley and mm-hmm. the um the, the top of the car had these little holes and what you would do is put a stick of butter on the top mm-hmm. and so the heat from the popcorn would melt the butter and then that would end up on the popcorn. Which interestingly enough, I don't like butter on my popcorn. Not real butter at least. I like the fake mm-hmm. shit that comes out of the I was gonna get you that for your birthday one year because it was like a like a metal and glass one, mm-hmm. like the antique ones, but it was little mm-hmm. and it still had a spout where the popcorn would come out mm-hmm. and it would, it came with the little like um you really don't remember it was definitely with you no yes ne- no mm-mm. we did we had a little it was a it was a little popcorn no maker. i got you an air popper when you no. lived in your old apartment Lies. you didn't like it Lies i Minnelli. did get that for you in your old apartment you did and we I returned did. it and then no it stayed there oh um and then no, when i'm we talking moved in, about when we moved here we bought a popcorn maker on that weird gold star not gold star on that weird uh group on lookalike that we used to go to all the time. It was called like No More Rack or some no shit. No More Rack, yeah. yeah. But I don't think we bought... Anyway, I don't remember. We bought one I, that looked like a trolley I know car. we had the domed one that had the little thing. The domed one is the one that replaced the trolley car. I honestly don't remember. Okay, well. Look up your receipts. Now we just make it on the stove like mm-hmm. normal people. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I just... I really... Um. I'm really excited to try and transform mm-hmm. our living room into a movie theater. Oh my God, you know what's the best way to turn your home into a sanctuary? What? throw everything out wow like literally go corner by corner mm-hmm. like half an hour hmm. and throw out whatever you can't whatever you look at and you can't think of a, like a use like a rational use for mm-hmm. get rid of it we did that the other day and we got rid of a whole garbage bag mm-hmm. full of stuff just from like two storage cubes yeah 
I mean, I that's I love throwing things out. That was a, that was great. I was not ready for the photos. I will say that the photos kind of like fucked with my head a little bit, but because mm. there were a lot of memories trapped in those Memory. photos. Um, do we want to talk about our listener letter? Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you want me to read it? No, I'll read it today. Okay, go ahead. So our listener letter comes from Donald, and Donald writes, Hi, ladies. Hope you're enjoying this horribly hot weather we've been having. I'm from New Jersey, if you didn't know. I had a random question. Being in the beauty industry, I always have. I always love to pick apart people's makeup slash skincare routines. That being said, what are some of your favorite skincare slash makeup products and brands? I think this would be an interesting topic for the show. Much love. Donald. Hi, Donald. Hi. I didn't know you were in New Jersey. I did know that you were a uh, beauty person. Beauty guru? Makeup artist. Makeup artist. Yes. Okay. Um, so am I going first? Oh, I'll go first. <laughs> so, because... I'm not the beauty person Because Miss Robert, it's taken me a very I, long time to... I have to write... Get her I have into to a routine. write myself a note to moisturize before I put makeup on and to prime before mm-hmm. I put makeup on. So, so that's where Create I'm Create the at. barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, so I started out at the age of like 13 using Clinique and, you know, other high-end products on my face because my mother, um, that, that's just how I grew up. Wow. You know, it was like, you need the, and it was like three things, uh, you know, um, an exfoliating scrub, a toner, and a moisturizer with sunscreen, and then a different, you know, cream for the evening. Okay. Just to make sure that like all the damage that you were doing to your skin by just going out in the world and all the pollution and all of that would just, um, kind of be held at bay you know mm. so for you and and i don't use high-end products anymore because um i found that often um by staying with the same routine over time my skin would actually start to do worse mm-hmm. um so like after all i just had to drop clinique because i felt my skin getting greasy and breaking out which never happens to me like i've never had that problem mm-hmm. um except for an occasional pimple but now i really like neutrogena's products i have to say i like their um their foaming uh foaming face wash is really good um because it 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 really feels like you're you know you're deep cleaning um but it doesn't leave any residue um and i also like their alcohol-free toner um and then i follow that up with a um Oh darn! It's like a um, collagen a, a, elastin. Yeah, a Saint Ives collagen elastin moisturizer, which is great. It's inexpensive. I mean, one tub lasts like six or seven months because you yeah. literally use like a like a pea size, like a pea almost. size amount, and like a big pea. But a yeah, pea. like a big pea. <laughs> and I find that it really, um, it just like keeps my skin moisturized, but not oily or anything like that. It's very uh-huh. light, yeah, and it works throughout all like you know the entire year. It's not light on me. I don't know if that's because uh-huh. I probably have just like clogged pores or something, but it's definitely not light on me. I definitely feel like I definitely feel it like almost like it's rejecting my skin. <laughs> do you use toner before you put yes, it on? Yes. Do you let the toner dry before you do that? Um, how long how long does that take for you? So I put my I I, you know, wipe my face with toner and then I <laughs> Cotton sw- cotton swab my ears. I don't know how you use it. like. I you use Q tips. I use Q tips. Mm-hmm. I put on deodorant and I clean my glasses. And then I know that it's like the toner has like absorbed and dried enough. 
Like that's just I have a similar routine, and so it's dry. Huh. It's dry. That's interesting. It was dry this morning mm. because I paused my morning routine to go do my eyebrows because mm-hmm. I couldn't handle my unibrow was coming in full mm. force, Haney. Frida Kahlo realness. Yes, and I needed to do something about it because it was making me anxious. Frida um, We also just got a new. Um, we also got a new. Um, uh, mirror for like to shave in the shower and it's bigger than the old one so i can see more of my face and i'm basically staring at my face for the entire like the duration of my shower because it's just there it's something to look at if it weren't if i wasn't staring at that i'd be staring at like the tiles that are behind it you know um but um yeah i i just i was hyper aware of my unibrow but yeah i have a similar routine where i use the toner first so that I can do like the other things I have to do. And then it gives the um, the toner enough time to dry so that I can put on moisturizer. And typically, like even with it doing whatever, like basically what happens is I leave here, which is this is a beautifully air conditioned apartment. I leave here into the heat and my it feels like my face is running. And it's almost like it's not just it's like you can feel that there's moisturizer in the sweat, basically, if that makes sense. That's crazy. So that's what happens to me. But my skin still still feels soft even with that. Huh. Maybe I'm using too much. Maybe I need to use a smaller pea Maybe. size, like a little like a baby pea. Mm-hmm. Like Maybe a snow just pea. like a little. Like I don't even pea. I don't even <laughs> dip my hand in the tub. I use the lid. I was using the lid for a while, too. But, um, yeah, I just take my index finger and tap it. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I use. Yeah. And that's usually enough. I also love an under eye cream. It's like, it's nice. I think you should keep your under eye cream in the fridge mm-hmm. at all times. Um, I bought one a while ago um, by this company named uh, Liliana Naturals. And it's their rose hip and hibiscus eye cream. Mm. Um, and I bought a like 1.3 ounce pump mm-hmm. last February. And I'm not even halfway through it. Mm. And so it's like 18 bucks. It's nice because it's not super heavy. Mm-hmm. And if you put it in the fridge and then put it on your eyes, it, it's like a nice um, a jolt. nice little jolt. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's important. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really have any beauty or skincare products that I really love. Um, I mean, I'm currently using for hymns, not that they're a sponsor or anything, for um, to, to help like regrow some of my hair and to keep the hair that I have. And um, I don't know. I guess I I enjoy all of their products because they're kind of like there's like a activity like mm-hmm. the shampoo is blue. So it's kind of like fun to see the color of the shampoo on my hand. And then um, the um, the drops that I have to put on my scalp are like a, um, it's like I'm watering a garden. You know what I mean? Like I'm like I'm tending to my garden. And so I have to look through my head and be like, all right, where are the bald spots? Let's do a little over here, a little over here. Um, and then, um, uh, the gummy that they give you, the, the biotin gummy is shaped like an actual bear and it has like sugar crystals on it. So that's fun. That sounds delicious. Yeah. That's fun. Hmm. I don't know if that would be considered, I mean, I guess it would be considered a beauty product. I mean, it's, so. you know, it's, it's taking care of your appearance. Yeah. Um, I do. I do. I have to say though, I really enjoy that mirror that you got for the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. It does not fog. 
um, and you fill it with water. You basically fill the back of the mirror with mm-hmm. water, and so that keeps it from fogging. Yeah. And shaving was great. Oh, when I, did I shave night. in the shower now, and I've never done that before. It's great. So it's I very love it. Nice. I love it a lot. Um, the other thing, I guess, before we move on to our next segment or whatever, mm-hmm. that I um, just remembered that I also use mm-hmm. is a um, a cleansing oil, which I read mm-hmm. in a BuzzFeed article about Korean skincare routines. Which, mm-hmm. if you've never read about Korean skincare routines, do yourself a favor and go watch a video or read up on it they're so extensive Mm -hmm. for both men and women Mm -hmm. and it's just like a ritual that they participate in um but this uh buzzfeed writer was trying it out and one of the products that she loved was a cleansing oil and Mm -hmm. tons of people make them um and basically what it is is an oil that you put on like you rub into your face before you use your face wash and so Mm. what it does is because it's an oil it basically breaks down other oils in your skin and in your pores and then also provides a protective layer so that you're not stripping your face when you use your face wash Mm. um and it's really nice again it's one of those things where it's like um you really feel like you're pampering yourself because you do it on a dry face mm-hmm. and then you wash it off because if you do it wet, it like doesn't do what it needs to do. Um, but one that I bought that I really like, it's um, by Era Organics and it's their natural cleansing oil makeup remover. It feels so nice going on your skin. It smells really good. And a plus, if you wear makeup or do drag or anything, like two pumps of this on your hands will melt away all of your makeup. Hmm. Like it's what I brought with us um, when we went to DragCon. And oh. Like, yeah. And so. You oh, take, that was nice. Yeah. You take all your makeup off. It literally looks just like brown goo all over your face. Mm-hmm. You use a, a washcloth or whatever and it all comes off even like waterproof mascara, um, eyeliner, the whole nine yards. It just like erases your face. It's like the mo- the scene in Mary Poppins when it starts raining and, mm-hmm. all, the, and all the chalk paintings start yeah. to run. That's yeah. what it's like. And yeah. you're not left feeling like you've again you know stripped your face by using some sort of you know other harsh cleanse Mm -hmm. so yeah um so moving on to our gratitude attitude and gratitude section Mm -hmm. um my two for today so my attitude goes to bob's discount furniture emphasis on the discount um we bought uh our living room set from them uh probably what seven years ago and we have been having problems with our couch that we like the couches we have now were a replacement of another couch that had a problem. And so these are now also having a problem. And so we have been given the runaround by Bob's. Um, And so part of our research that we did um, the other day when we went to Macy's and we tested out all the couches is that we figured we would go to Bob's and see if there's anything comparable. That way, if we could get them to agree to give us a replacement, we already knew what we wanted. And so we walked in. There was this nice woman who greeted us when we walked in and she was like, you know, my name is so-and-so. If you need anything, let me know. And she kind of followed us around the store and was talking to us and all this stuff. And it was clear that like we were interested in a very particular type of, of furniture and we were really interested in, in the the way that the couch was assembled and all that stuff. We were, we were basically like, we were, we were trying to do our research. Um, and, uh, at the, at the end of our like research there, I asked the woman if they had any financing promotions right now. And her response to me was, well, we would run your credit first. And I, and I hate when places like this do that because it's like, I don't have bad credit, but I didn't ask you about that. 
what I asked you about was, do you have any financing promotions right now? Because if you have a really good one, I might be interested in purchasing a couch today, like on tonight. So um, my attitude goes out to them. Please don't buy your furniture at Bob's. You can definitely afford it anywhere else because Bob's is a fucking sham. And my gratitude goes to a one Miss Shea Coulee. I don't know why this happens, but I will regularly regularly forget about uh, certain queens that I have stand for for a very long time. And Shay is definitely one of them. She you is. Forget about Miss I don't forget about her, but like she's not on TV right now, and so you're not really thinking. Like I'm, she's not at the front of my brain. But mm-hmm. of course, the minute she posts something on Instagram, I'm there to like it, and you know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I have always been a Shay Coulee stan. Um, and um, she you recently said that did you're a shade, a shade Kool Aid stand. I don't know what that no, means. Never mind. Um, but um, I recently saw her on the Hey Queen Beach House that they're doing, and um, I just really I love her. Like she mm-hmm. is such a good person. Yeah. Like she is a such such a um, such a kind and generous individual, mm-hmm. and I just love that about her. I love that she has lost none of um, herself mm-hmm. by going on television. She is probably more herself now than she ever has been you know and and she is i don't know she's i just think she's an amazing person and i would love to show gratitude to her because i think she's incredible Mm. how about you daniel so my attitude goes out to fucking fedex i have hated this company for a very long time um and i've just about had it with them Mm -hmm. um and not only because a few years ago i went to pick up a package and the woman behind the counter called me a faggot in spanish and thought i didn't understand no not because of that because even then like i can't choose whether things are going to be shipped to me fedex or not Mm -hmm. but um my father and i ordered a present for my birthday for your brother's birthday for my brother's birthday and when it came I went to pick it up and realized that the entire bottom of the box essentially looked like it had been sitting in water for hours. Like, it was a thick cardboard box. It had rained a lot. It had rained a lot that week. But it's like, where the hell? Like, it was only wet in that one area. So it was Mm. on this end. And I don't know how this happened, but it's like normally, oh, and it was open and like the bag inside of of the cables and stuff was wet. Like, it was sopping wet. It took Mm -hmm. two days to dry out that box. Yeah. And we were afraid to open it because I thought, what if we can't get it, you know, closed again? Right. What if this doesn't work? Like, my brother's birthday is in a few days what do we do mm-hmm. what by, drives me crazy is that any other shipper would have seen what that was like before dropping it off and said could not deliver because of damage and mm-hmm. sent it back to the to the seller right fedex doesn't do that right they say they do they say they show up when they don't they tell you to look for imaginary door tags which i've never in my life gotten one FedEx door tag when something hasn't been delivered mm-hmm. or you'll be home and they will not deliver your package. Yeah. You know, and on top of that, you go to get your package and they call you a faggot at right. their, at their like center. So mm-hmm. it's like, I've had it. I hate FedEx. I, I don't want people to use them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm just, I'm tired of my shit coming broken. And as yeah. much as I don't like USPS, I never have that problem with USPS. Right. And and even less with UPS. Right. So FedEx, you suck. You need to fix your business practices and be a little more sensitive towards your customers. Yeah, I agree. And my attitude, my attitude, your gratitude. <laughs> um, thing, yeah, my gratitude goes out to Jiggly Caliente, our one and only, um, our sister. Yeah. Um, so Jiggly just came back after a month of touring and um. I didn't realize how much I would miss her. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I couldn't, you know, couldn't just like say, hey, girl, come over. Like, let's kiki. Let's have, uh, you know, sips, um, passion fruit juice. I, that's just what I think of. Like, I even bought stuff while she was away. You can just say passion fruit juice. Well, Saying sips makes it sound weird. Because it's a particular one. Because that other version. Oh, it's the sips, sips, sips. That one. That other version that you bought was awful. I liked it just Mm-mm. fine. Nope. I like giving artificial It was artificial store brand stuff. and it was delicious. No. Continue. Anyway, my whole point is that while she was gone, I would buy things at the supermarket with the intention of us hanging out mm-hmm. and was like, oh, she's away. And it's gotten to the point where I consider her like a part of our family because I forget that like she was on TV or in, in any of the uh, these other reasons that people might want to be friends with her. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like to me, I have to remind myself of that. Mm-hmm. And like, I like that fact, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I just, yeah, I was really glad to have her back and to just like hang out with her and talk about all the things that she's doing and just like how proud I feel of our friend that she is um, just like kicking ass professional. Hell yeah. You know, like she is really kicking ass. People have no idea what they're in store for in like the coming months and years. And you know, it's like she's no longer Jiggly Caliente from RuPaul's Drag Race season four. Mm-hmm. Like she's Jiggly Caliente from Ryan Murphy's Pose. She's Jiggly Caliente, the first trans woman to perform on the Yale stage. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so being friends with her as long as we have, and seeing like her her professional and personal success um, has just made me so happy. And getting to help her at events and and just getting to be a part of that is something that I um. I really treasure and value. Yeah. So for that, I'm, you know, uh, my gratitude goes out to her for being in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, me too. Right. Mm-hmm. If there was a way that we could stop her from moving to LA, I would, I would do it. Even though that's real selfish, I guess. Yeah. Well, I want her to flourish. Mm-hmm. I do want her to flourish, but I want her to flourish in New York. If that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> selfish. Um, well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> um, we are Grizzly Kiki on everything. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So be sure to follow us there. You can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and we'll read them on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next Friday. Friday.